Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. Today is Vision Sunday. Maybe blink your eyes, make sure you got a good view. And see what's going on around you. What is Vision Sunday? Vision Sunday is the Sunday that I, uh, the beginning of the year, we, we open up the package, we begin to look at what is it God wants to do with us and through us in 2024. Vision Sunday isn't a new idea from God, it isn't a new direction from God, it's just taking and emphasizing something that God wants to do. With us and through us. Um, It's about leadership. It's about unity. It's about us all having a common objective to reach towards and forward into. I don't think God sits around in heaven with this big binder of themes. And in December he starts ripping out this page and hands it to that church and rips out this page and hands it to that church and says, all right, you guys, wait till January and then break it on them. I think the purpose of God is always moving and always flowing. I say that because there's sometimes we get so wrapped up in a theme that we lose focus on what's really happening. So our theme is more about a roadmap. This is where we are. This is where we're headed This is what we want to do. This is what we feel in the spirit that God is leading us to. And so since it's Vision Sunday, we probably should start with talking about the vision of the church as a whole. So I want to start today with a little bit about our vision statement. If we want to talk about vision, we have to talk about purpose and about mission. So our purpose statement here at LiveSpring Church is, we exist to assist others in connecting to Jesus Christ. We are believers in a community of grace and or believers in a community covered in grace and grounded in biblical doctrine. That's our purpose. I'm here so that you can connect with Jesus and the environment in which you connect with Jesus is because of grace and because of biblical truth. And the reason you're here is to help each other and even to help me and to help those outside these walls come in and connect with Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. The why or the what. Someone says, well, what do you do at church? There you go. There's your answer. We connect with Jesus Christ through grace and truth. Our vision statement, the the why we are here is... To establish a mother church in Springfield, Missouri that is grounded in apostolic doctrine, teaches and preaches the Pentecostal experience, and promotes the lifestyle of holiness. That's why we're here. We're not here to build a crowd. That'd be cool. We're not here to get famous. We're not here to get rich. We're here to proclaim these truths of Scripture and to build a center where we can reach out into this community and make a difference. 
which leads us then to our mission statement of how will we do that. LifeSpring Church is a community of Christians with a vision to lead others into a spiritual, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to help others be connected. We want them to be true Christians. We want them to have the spiritual, spirit-filled experience. And we want them to grow and mature so that they can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've ever wondered what is LifeSpring Church about, there it is. There it is, round up and put in a bow and set in flame. This is LifeSpring Church. We are a church on a mission to help people find Jesus. And we're not going to make up a way for them to do it. We're going to use the word of God as the roadmap on how to find Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the scripture today. It'll be a little bit before I get to our theme or our purpose statement today. I'll introduce that a little bit later as we're going. But I want to start in John chapter 4 and verse 14. This is the story of Jesus going to the well. And, and this, along with our purpose, vision, mission statements, this is our founding verse. This is the verse that God laid in my heart when we began the planning and, and praying and seeking God for planting Live Spring Church. John 4 and 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You can be seated. Welcome to Life Spring Church. Welcome to the spring of water that leads to everlasting life. We have a tagline. It's on some of our promotional things that we put out. It says, never thirst again. If you come to Life Spring Church and you're thirsty in your spirit, you don't have to leave thirsty ever again. Jesus Christ, just like he told the woman at the well, can give us an eternal quenching, if I can use that terminology, of our thirst. It's not because the drink he gives us is so powerful that it eradicates our thirst. It's because he turns us into what he changes us from being one who thirsts to being one who becomes the source of water. Jesus was at the well and he asked for a drink of water. And then he kind of flipped the script. Well, really, if you knew who was asking you for a drink of water, you would ask me for a drink of water. And the woman at the well's really stuck on the idea of the well and the physical water and the buckets that she brought to draw water. And she looks at him confused. Because he's, he's already breaking down ethnic and racial social barriers that she didn't have any anticipation for him to step into. A Jew male talking to a Gentile female or a Samaritan female, which may have not even been even worse. And he's willing to allow her to draw water from the well and present it to him. 
how would he allow somebody like me who he considers to be like a dog to even present? This is the situation probably has her mind swirling with emotion and with what's going on here. Then he flips the script and says, really, you want me to give you a drink? And in all of her practical application of what's going on, she says, how are you going to give me a drink? You don't even have a bucket. If you read into the cultural situation there, there's an assumption that you can make that he wouldn't want to use her bucket because she's a Samaritan. Her bucket would have been inferior for him to use. So she's looking at him saying, where's your Jewish bucket to draw water for me? Where's your sanctified bucket? This, this matters because in Jewish culture, when they bought new things, they baptized everything. You got new dishes for Christmas. You went down to the temple after the next Sabbath, and they had a baptistry, and you would baptize your things. Jesus talked about it. He talked about you guys are more concerned about washing pots and pans than you are about following the gospel. He's like, you don't have a sanctified Jewish bucket. To draw water to give me to drink out of? And Jesus just keeps on blowing her mind. I'm not going to give you a drink out of this well. I'm not going to give you something that will just quench the thirst of your tongue. I'm going to go even deeper than that. I'm going to go beyond even just giving you something that quenches the thirst of your soul. I will turn you into the well. The spring of living water. We tell you today, Jesus isn't promising to give us a bucket of water. He's not promising to give us a five-gallon bucket of water. He's not promising to give us a barrel of water. He's not promised to tap into an everlasting spring that we can drink from. He says he wants to convert us into being springs of living water. That's who we are to be. In him is a spring of living water. So when you come to Live Spring Church today, hold on. It could get flooded. And that's not prophetic in anything about the temperature. We've done been through that once. So you may be asking the question, if this is what Live Spring Church is, how does this apply to 2024, and thank you for asking. It's a great question. And for me to answer where we are going, I have to give a little context of where we've been. I want to reach back a little bit into to 2023, maybe even a little bit into the end of 2022. I was praying, and, and like I said, it's not because God's sitting up there with the heaven in the heavens with a book of themes waiting to hand them out. But in our carnal nature, in our humanity, we, we see the beginning of a year as an opportunity to look for new things and, and transition and, and, and new promise. And so often, as, as, as we all do, we begin to look at goal setting and things we want to do. And, and as a pastor of a church, 
Nearly all pastors, if they're a good pastor anyway, they, they begin to seek the will of God. It's a new year. People are open to new ideas. What, where are we moving? What are we going into? And so this is where I was at the end of, of 2022. And God began to lay some of what I'm going to share with you today on my heart then. And I was getting excited about it. And then the more I began to dig into it and look into it, I felt a pause in my spirit. I'm like, well, Lord, why are you getting me all excited about something and tell me no? That's pretty mean. That's like saying, hey, you're going to have the best Christmas ever next year. <laughs> and he began to lay out to me that, hey, there's, there's a preparation that has to happen before you can obtain where we're going. And so last year I felt like we needed to go through maybe some basics and maybe, maybe rebuild up some things inside of our lives and, and create ourselves and, and make sure we were spiritually ready for where God was heading us. And taking us. And we did. Last year we, we preached messages around being anointed. What it means to have God's anointing on our life. We preached about what it means to worship. And to be involved in worship. And giving that, that, that adoration heavenward towards God. We preached about consecration. What it means here in this life to dedicate ourselves to God. These are things that get us spiritually prepared. They begin to let our own roots dig deeper into this life that we live. I also felt like God wanted us to build our faith. And so the end of the year last year, we preached about the power of God and we preached about our spiritual disciplines and how these daily things begin to build our faith as we see God moving and working. We closed out the year focusing on the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power to save. Last year, a little bit felt like we were maybe replanting a little bit. We were working around the, the garden. We were pulling weeds and adding fertilizer. We were tealing up the soil and, and making sure everything was just right for what God wants to do. And, and God has been working through us and among us and with us. I've made the statement recently in the, in the past couple months, and I I must say it again today, I see spiritual growth happening in us. As a church, we're, we're growing closer together, and we're growing more spiritual in our mindsets, and that unity is part of what brings revival. Now, revival's for the church. Won't blow your mind, hold on. Revival's for the church, revival's not for the sinner. Revivals for things that have been dead come to life, then died again. It needs to be revived. Stuff that's dead can't be brought back to a life that it never had. So they need saved and brought to life. Church needs revival. So in the context, when I use these words, maybe it helps understand. Revival is preaching about us. Growth of the church is bringing in those who finds salvation and be brought to life through the power of the gospel. What we went through in 2023 was really foundation building for all that God wants to do in 2024. And so we read through the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well and 
And that's been the primary focus that I've had the entire time as we've been planting the church and working over these past 10 years. Let's build, let's build people into to the place where God can convert them into wells of living water. But as I begin to continue reading through John chapter 4, it became alive to me what our vision is, what our focal point should be in 2024. And so if you'll go with me again to John chapter 4, I'm going to start reading at verse 30, but I want to quickly fill in the gap. Jesus had talked to the woman at the well. He blew her mind. She left her pitcher and ran into the city and began to tell everybody, this is a remarkable man at the well. And while all this was going on at the well, the disciples had left Jesus and gone into the city to find something to eat. And now they have come back to Jesus. And that's where we are in verse 30. They went to get lunch. And while they were eating lunch, Jesus was doing ministry. Jesus' ministering was over. Well, with the woman at the well. And she's gone. They missed all of that. And here they come trotting right back out there like he's been sitting there the whole time just waiting on them. They didn't know any different. Verse 30. And they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meantime, while the disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him out to eat? Man, somebody must have stopped by here and dropped off a hamburger for the guy while we were gone. Jesus said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed not labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. Jesus, by meeting with the woman at the well, was giving to all of us who are looking backwards over time and, and reading the story an example of the sermon he just preached to the disciples about the field. He's saying, there's people working in the field. You don't, even, you don't even understand what's going on. The context of that is, you guys were getting lunch. I'm harvesting in a field, and you didn't even realize what was going on. He's saying, I've been doing stuff. I've been working. There's people in this city that are hearing about Jesus Christ that have never heard about him before and you're going to have to go out and reach and gather them in and bring them in. Someone's been sowing in this city and you don't even realize it. And you're going to be the ones to bring in that harvest. Jesus gave us a living example of what harvesting looks like. Harvesting looks like the woman at the well. Many times we read scriptures like this and we're like, we get beautiful pictures and, 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 and scenery of, of amber waves of grain. And that's nice Americana. Blowing in the wind. 
it's not just wind moving the head of the wheat back and forth and swaying. There's, there's a purpose, there's a reason that that field has grown and matured and is now called a harvest. There's a reason it exists. And harvest isn't always just this picturesque scene. Harvest can look like the woman at the well. And oftentimes harvest does look like the woman at the well. A woman whose life was a wreck. Jesus told her how messed up her life was. And that's what caught her off guard. How does this man know all these things? Jesus was an incredible communicator. He could have just took the shotgun out, loaded both barrels, and just blown her away. You're a sinner. Your life's messed up. You're living in sin. He could have just went all hardcore on her. He didn't. He gently walked her into the revelation. Hey, how about you go tell your husband? Uh, that's not going to work, Lord. <laughs> oh, that's right, you don't have a husband. Because you're not married to the guy you're living with. How'd you know? He begins to speak more about her past and her story. And he begins to tell it to her. And she's getting this moment of revelation. This isn't just a guy sitting at a well. This isn't about buckets and water in this well. This is bigger. This is the revelation that she gets. And he is harvesting at the well. Her life was disoriented. She didn't get to live like everybody else lived. History alludes to the idea that she come to the well when nobody else was at the well. We call it water cooler talk in the office. Everybody gathers around the water cooler to talk about the, the office gossip. I can see the, the translation of the idea into their culture. All the ladies come out in the morning to gather the water in the cool of the day as they begin to prepare for their day, their, their dishes and the, the watering of the flocks and the, and the laundry, and they're gathering all the water for what it is, they, the tasks that need to be supported throughout the day. But she couldn't come out because she knew she would be the subject of all of the well gossip if she showed up. Oh, here she comes. She didn't want to be the subject of everybody's conversation. And so in shame and in regret, she would come out in the heat of the day, alone to gather her water. Her life was disoriented. It didn't, it didn't flow like everybody else's life. But this is what harvest looks like. And Jesus met her where she was. Jesus didn't make access to himself something that she had to earn or obtain. Can I go just a, a little bit further back in the story? Jesus is with the disciples and they're traveling and they're going from point A to point B. And in the midst of that conversation, planning the trip, Jesus says, you know, guys, actually, uh, I need to go by Samaria. And they're like, that's out of the way. I need to go by Samaria. Jesus is willing to go out of his way to make himself 
himself accessible to those who need him. He didn't set himself on a pedestal or beyond some task that had to be completed in order to be available. Can I tell us today, the harvest is not going to come to us and fulfill a list of tasks in order to be accessible. The harvest never runs into the storehouse and says, can I stay here? Somebody always walks into the field and begins to gather the harvest and makes themselves accessible to the broken, to the one whose life is a wreck, makes themselves accessible to the one who is disoriented and whose life is in confusion and says, hey, I'm here. I've even went out of my way to get to you so that I could share with you a new hope. I went out of my way to reach you and share with you a promise that's bigger than where you are. I went out of my way to come to right where you are so you wouldn't have to struggle. You wouldn't have to come out in the cool of the day and be embarrassed. Jesus could have showed up when everybody else was at the well and had a bigger crowd and maybe had, in our terminology, greater impact. But he chose the heat of the day out of the way to meet a single woman at the well because he knew that was his harvest. Jesus went to her. Jesus went in the field to harvest. And that is our theme, our idea, our point of focus in 2024. It is from this example that Jesus gave us. God is directing us to go in the field. I'm convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt. I've been convinced for over a year that 2023 is the year of harvest for us. I've got one with me. I'm convinced that this year, 2024, is the year that God's going to give us harvest. We've been planting seed and we've been taking care of it. We've planted and planted and planted. We've watered and watered and watered. We've given and given and given. We've been faithful again and again and again as a church and as individuals. I'm here to tell you today in the Holy Ghost, this is the year of harvest. This is the year that we move into the field and God begins to provide for us. I wonder if there's anybody that believes it. Would you just lift your hand towards heaven? Lord, let this be the year of harvest. Lord, this is the year of harvest. We have prepared and we continue to prepare for what God is going to do. We've prepared ourselves Individually through 2023, through, through the messages that we've preached and through the, the direction of the Holy Ghost and, and things that we've communicated over this pulpit. And God has prepared us spiritually to bring in a harvest. What benefit is there to go into a field and let's, let's use the biblical time culture. Grab your big sickle, right, the thing that they, whoosh, 
And you began walking through the field, harvesting. Day in and day out. And you've got it all cut down, and it's all laying in the field. And you begin to gather it up, and they make, here's an old word for you, sheaves of harvest. Right? They pile it all together. They, they tie it up in the middle, and they stand it up vertically in the field. So now you've got all these sheaves, that's an old word, all stuck out around the field. What benefit is all of that work if there's nowhere to bring it into? It's just going to sit in the field and rot. It's going to sit in the field and decay. It's going to sit in the field and wither away. And so we have been preparing the place to bring the harvest. God has been preparing us as a people to have harvest around us. What happens when somebody comes to church and they're broken? Well, we're all going to point our fingers and start talking. Because God's prepared us. He's matured us beyond that. What are we going to do when someone runs to the altar and they're looking for hope and, and they're crying out to God? We're not all going to sit in our pew and say, well, I hope they find him. No, no. We're going to run down there and we're going to support them and we're going to pray with them and we're going to believe with them. What happens when the addict shows up and they're doing everything they can through self-discipline to break a habit? But God says, I want to give them deliverance. We've got a Sunday night class and people who are preparing themselves to say, hey, we're going to bring you into a recovery program and help you be who you need to be. Amen. We're preparing ourselves. We're doing our part. We're building a barn. We're making ready for the harvest to come. Anybody with me? This is what we've been doing. This is what we are doing. But the vision for this year is not to prepare the barn anymore. The vision this year is to go in the field and gather the harvest. And God wants to use you to harvest what God has prepared. Now some of your minds are going 100,000 directions with that statement. What do you mean God wants to use me? He's already using you. What do you mean he's already using you? Well, when you clap your hands in service this morning, you are helping create the atmosphere where the lonely can feel the presence of God. When you lift your hands this morning in unity, those words weren't just idle words trying to pump us up for a Sunday morning. When you lifted your hands this morning in unity with everybody else, you were in, in mass, in congregation, as a group of people. We were speaking a sign of surrenderance, saying, Lord, whatever you want to do in this house, you're able to do it. What would have happened if somebody, I don't want to get overly graphic today, but what happens if somebody comes in here and they've lived an, a completely prom, uh, a life of promiscuity and, and they don't have a clue what love feels like and you're lifting your hands worshiping and praising God and the incredible spirit of the Holy Ghost sweeps in and they feel a love that they've never felt before. So you're already being used by God. But God wants to use us beyond where we are today. Can I tell you, it's called a harvest, and that really has a meaning to it. Scripture refers to it as harvest on purpose. The Bible does not speak, and the Word of God does not call it an overgrown field that needs cut down. Scripture does not call it a 
well-manicured garden with mature plants that we can scroll through and observe their beauty. It's called a harvest because the intent and the applied action is we are to gather it and to bring it in. We are to gather it and bring it in. Can I speak to you today? There's the potential that every single day, LifeSpring Church can have 20 to 30 harvesters in our community working, gathering. Does that mean everybody brings a guest on Sunday? That's not what I'm talking about. Jesus didn't invite her to synagogue. Jesus didn't say, if you really want to drink, you've got to come down and convert to Judaism, you know, get baptized, become a Jew, follow all the traditions, reject and deny all of your Samaritan heritage. After you've met all those benchmarks, we'll talk about allowing you to, to come and be a part of our religious cult, cult I mean, not cult, a religious belief. We're not a cult. We're not asking people to line up, to measure up. We just want people to meet Jesus. And we don't put obstacles in their way to meeting Jesus. We remove obstacles so people can get to Jesus. And once they've met Jesus, they'll run away. And they'll become a harvester just like she did. So what do I see? I see all around us. It's Vision Sunday. I'm going to talk about vision. I see people working in the workplace. Instead of the water cooler conversation being about what Susie said, it's about, hey, can we have a Bible study? What does a Bible study look like? I don't know. You tell me. We have the idea in our brain that a Bible study is everybody comes together. We sit around the dining room table and like an insurance salesman, and we go through a little flip chart. And they sit there and they absorb all the great wisdom of biblical knowledge that we have to bestow upon them. What happens if you have a five-minute Bible study? What's a five-minute Bible study look like? What's a two-paragraph water-cooler Bible study look like? Oh, I don't know if that's really qualifies as a Bible. Why not? Did you talk about the Bible? Did they learn something about the Bible? Okay, it's a Bible study. Oh, you're just making it too easy. Yes, I am. What happens if you're standing at the gas pump and the guy next to you is mumbling and complaining because the stupid pump's cold and he can't hold it and it's freezing his fingers and he forgot his gloves? You can say, man, you know, it's not so bad. Let me tell you something good in life. Just tell them about your blessing that week. They may pump their gas faster and get out of there or they may have a... An emptiness in your heart, their heart, that your story begins to speak to. What happens if you talk to the cashier? I know, I'm going to have to change my ways. I'm self-checkout guy. Let me out of this madhouse. What happens if you went to the cash register and had a 30-second Bible study and didn't even use the Bible? I'm not talking about sitting up there, hey, here's my uh, milk, here's my eggs, and here's my open Bible. Let's look at verse 14, chapter 3, while you ring these up. 
No. Hey, just so you know, I just want you to know the Bible talks about blessing people, and I just want you to be blessed today. Have you ever said that to somebody? We're supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth. What good is salt if it's lost its savor? What is the savor of salt? It tastes good. It doesn't say, man, this line's long. I sure wish you guys would get more cashiers loaded up here. That's salt that has no savor. Salt with savor says, hey, thanks for what you're doing today. Hope you have a great day. Be blessed. I'm just making it practical. God wants us to get into the field. I can see 20 to 30 harvesters every day of every week this year doing the work of ministry. Who knows? Maybe that little comment turns into something more. Maybe that friend that you've never talked to God about and you just begin to drop little comments here and there turns into more. And maybe it does turn into a salesman Bible study. Maybe it never turns into that style, but it turns into some other style of Bible study. I want to tell my boys, they're not in here. I always tell the bad stuff. Let me tell the good. Remy comes by our house every Sunday morning. About 9 o'clock, he pulls in. And we don't want the dog to go crazy or interruptions. So he actually walks around the outside of our house, the back door, and goes in the basement where the boys are. And they have a Bible study every Sunday morning before they come to church. You know what? Nobody's ran aisles at my house on Sunday morning. I don't hear anybody down there dancing and speaking in tongues on Sunday morning. I just hear them talk about one or two verses for about 15 minutes. And then they all pack up and head over here so they can turn the lights on and make sure the heat's working and get the media set up. You know what I call mine? A weekly Bible study. That's not too hard. We can all do something with somebody and be a harvester in the field. Is that too practical? I hope it's not. So God has prepared us spiritually. And this is the spiritual application of bringing in the harvest. Now, I want to switch, switch on us a little bit. And then I'm going to preach this out to the end. You ready? There are some things we're going to do this year as a church, and I just want to give everybody the announcement, the preparation. We're going to become a little bit more organized in some things. We're going to put some systems and some processes and some, some teams in place, and we're going to begin to organize some things. We're, we're 10 years into this, and uh, I guess I'll go ahead and say this. I was... Just about ran right into it, then I had a hold on. Just put it in today, leave it in today. Don't go any bigger than what I want to say. We have a group of people here today I, I feel confidence in, I'm encouraged in that we can set some systems and some processes and things in place. And you are people that have vision and passion and will grab a hold of it and will run with it and not just try to change it and throw it aside and argue about it. Is that fair? I'm thankful for you guys today. 
I'm encouraged in what I see and who we are and where we're going. And so we're going to set some of those things in order. And, and maybe one of the things that's coming up is in February, we're going to have an all-volunteers meeting. We've never had an all-volunteers meeting in 10 years. So if you're a volunteer at LifeSpring Church, if you do anything at all at LifeSpring Church, if you volunteer to do anything, or you want to volunteer to do something, we'll have an all-volunteers meeting coming up. It's in the middle of February on a Saturday morning. You'll hear more about it. But we're going to become intentional about everything that we do. It's been said, and I believe it's true, any man that prays and seeks God can have a church of 25 or 30. Because frankly, you can just be chaos and just people will come and just because they got to go to church somewhere. But our vision's bigger than that. I'm not about a crowd. I don't need a crowd to make me feel good. If I needed a crowd, I wouldn't have been here 10 years. But I want to see people's lives change. I want to grow a, a church that's doing the work of God. Part of our purpose here is to grow a mother church, a church that we can then feed off into other areas. Does that mean planting other churches? Maybe. Does it mean having life groups? Maybe. Does that mean having a coffee shop group? Maybe. I want this to be the hub. And I want to send out from this place everywhere, in any way, in all the avenues that are open. We had it happen, I don't know, not very many weeks ago. I got excited about it. Got a phone call. Hey, somebody wants to be baptized. Great. Go do it. What happens if every single person in here has somebody that needs to be baptized? I can't show up at 20 different times to get 20 different people baptized. We're going to have to be organized. We're going to have to have a plan. We're going to have to have a process in place for people to get baptized. What happens if you're ministering to somebody and, and they need to be prayed through to the Holy Ghost? Well, we're going to have a Holy Ghost service in six months. We've got a special evangelist plan for it. So you just keep them on the line, leave the fish in the water, hold that hook in their mouth for six months, and then when they get here, Maybe they'll still be hungry and God can fill them. No. I want to see somebody get the Holy Ghost in the middle of Walmart parking lot. I want somebody to get the Holy Ghost in your parking lot where you work. What happens if someone gets the Holy Ghost in your living room? It's quiet. I know, I'm throwing vision out there today. Sometimes vision's hard to, hard to eat. It's big bites. So we're going to become organized. We're going to put systems and processes in place for these things to happen. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 9. We're on the, the homestretch. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You probably heard the emphasis as I read. Jesus did not say, hey, I got 12 guys and we get together over here on the hill. If uh, you're sick, come on over here. I'll let you get healed. You know some great Biblical teaching. 
We meet over here underneath the tree on the hill at the end of the first street. Did you guys just gather down there and there's a tree and the hill? Great biblical teaching when it comes down to that. He went to where they were and ministered to their need at their location when they needed it. He ministered among the people. Jesus was the ultimate example of what it means to do ministry in the field. And he is our example. And we are to do ministry as Jesus did ministry. We are to do ministry in the field. Yes, ministry happens at an appointed time and an appointed place. It happens to be 11 o'clock every Sunday morning right here. But this is such a small part of what God wants to do. Can I be honest? This is standing in the barn, making sure we got room to bring more stuff into the barn. That's all Sunday is. Monday through Saturday is gathering, harvesting, and bringing it in. Sunday is about rejoicing about all that God has been doing Monday through Saturday. Sunday is about reaping the reward of having harvest. There are times that we have harvest Sundays and there are times that we have focused on Sundays. But those are few and far between. We can't have a Holy Ghost rally every single Sunday. You say, why? Well, my paycheck won't cover an evangelist every single Sunday. And uh, we're not grown to that point yet. So ministry has to happen beyond just Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. It has to happen among the people. You get to push today. I'm trying to make your seat uncomfortable this morning. I know we, there's a lot of money spent on these chairs. And uh, there's a few other chairs sprinkled around the building that look a little different. They're from other companies that sent us samples of their chairs and we chose these because they were the most comfortable. But today I'm trying to make them uncomfortable. Because harvest doesn't run into the barn and say, can I stay in here? Harvest has to be gathered and brought into the barn. Jesus has already prepared the field. Jesus has already done his work to make it ready for us. He's just saying, get in the field and begin to do the harvesting. The field is already brought forth its harvest. The field is already ready to be harvested. The question this morning, where are the laborers to gather in the harvest? Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 2. After this, these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Wherefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, 
but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You need to know my prayer. My prayer is Lord send everybody that sits on a chair into the field. If you come to church and you're uncomfortable, it's because I prayed for you to be uncomfortable in your seat today. If you're in your chair today and there's something stirring inside of you and you're saying there's got to be more to church than just sitting here every Sunday morning, there is more. It's getting in the field and beginning to grab a hold of some harvest and bringing it in. There's something about when you see the life of somebody changed. It changes you. It grows you differently. It matures you in different areas of your life. I'm telling you today, God has called us to go in the field and to gather the harvest. We've done our part to prepare. We have a few final steps in preparation but I want to tell you, the real final step is seeing to seeing God's growth that He's prepared for us is when we begin to love in the field. When we become the love so much while we're in the field that we leave the comforts of the house. Can I tell you today? The mental picture that's been in my mind for almost a year is someone standing at the sink. I wanted to create the graphic, but I couldn't come up with it. Someone standing at a sink, an old farmhouse sink, one of those big white porcelain sinks and fold over and has a big faucet that comes down. It's full of dishes and they're busy washing the dishes. And over the sink is a big picture window. And looking out the window is a field, white, ready for harvest. Waving in the wind is all the harvest. And the person standing at the sink looking through the window. And their conscience is saying, what a great harvest is out there. Can I tell you, acknowledging the harvest doesn't harvest the harvest. God's calling me, God's calling you to let go of the sink, drop the dishes, turn off the water, walk over to the door, open the door, and walk in the field. Walk amongst the harvest and begin to gather what God has prepared for us to minister to. Your life experience is the story they need to hear. What you understand of Scripture is all they need to hear. You don't have to give them some theological education. You don't have to break out some new creed on them. Just tell them how much Jesus loves them. Just tell them the beauty of repenting of your sins. Just share with them how awesome it is when you're buried in the name of Jesus Christ and He washes your sins away. Tell them the beauty of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Tell them what God has done for you. Has God provided for you? Tell that story. Did God heal you? Tell that story. Did God deliver you? Tell that story. This is the work of the laborer gathering the harvest. The final step is to love so much that we leave the comforts of the house. 
is becoming so convicted by the Great Commission that we act in faith and obedience. How many times does Scripture teach us and proclaim to us, Go! It's the beginning of the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all nations. Go! 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 And that's what God's put in my heart this year. We're going to go. There's going to be some organized events that come up. And we'll share those as the time comes around. But it's not about organization so much. It's not about us all getting together to have an organized event. I don't know how to, pers- I don't know how to say it. I'm not trying to put together an organized program to run people through a church meal. I want organic. I want organic. I want gas stations and workplaces and marketplaces. I want living rooms. I want coffee shops. Hey, I can plan to the end of the world. I was a project manager for eight years, man. I can write a plan. I can give everybody a task list. I can organize it so your head spins. I can create reports that build graphs and charts. We can talk about velocity and team and capacity. We can talk about all these different things. That's not building a church. That's managing a program. And God didn't call me to manage a program. He called us to plant a church and to build a church. And it happens organically. So that's the cry from my heart to yours today. That's the conviction that's in my spirit today. Oh, the great commission must become my daily marching orders. Go ye therefore into all. Final step is becoming so hungry to see the power of God demonstrated that we get past our fear of the broken, and the hurt, and the battered, and the thirsty, and the hungry, and the disoriented, and the confused. And we just walk into the food. Well, they're addicted. They're going to say mean things. Yeah, they are. Addiction causes terribleness. Terrible things. Addiction causes people to say some of the vilest, rudest, meanest things. But if you'll look past the addiction, you'll see a soul. You'll see somebody crying out for help. You'll see somebody screaming, get me out of this prison. Get me out of this prison. Well, they're not very mobile. They got, they got health issues and it's, it's, labor intensive and we have to stop every five minutes for them to take care of themselves and blah 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 hey they probably never say it verbally but you being there and being willing to take an hour to give them a ten minute Bible study because of all the interruptions while they're taking shots and doing whatever they have to do because of their health condition you're making a difference you're speaking into them you're ministering to them you're leading them That's an act of harvesting. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's inconvenient. But being in the field has never been about convenience. It's been about the need. It's been about a conviction that sets inside of our hearts. That says, I'm going to go and do what God has called me to do. 
Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.